This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 553, Anchor Wisdoms for Entrepreneurs, with Rod Richardson. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Rod Allen Richardson, who is an entrepreneur. He's he's a friend of mine that I've known for a long time. And in fact, Rod, you showed up at Live on Purpose Radio probably over a decade ago. At least. Before, you, before we even knew anything, really. <laughs> right. We knew I mean, something because we we did a podcast. <laughs> we knew something. And, right, and right. everybody knows something. But, you know, since we talked before, we've we've both got about a decade of experience that uh, where we're both entrepreneurs. And you've recently written this little book, Anchor Wisdoms for Entrepreneurs which is the same title that we're using for today's episode. And as I was looking through this book, Rod, I was just thinking, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. That I mean, these are things that you learn in the trenches as you build businesses. And just to give our um, our listeners a sense of what you've done along those those lines, Rod, you're one of the the main leaders in direct sales and network marketing. You've built a team, multinational team, that uh, that you lead and you you mentor and inspire these people. You've worked in the industry for even longer than you've had your personal team, right? Um, it, with your leadership experience and. Coaching, I remember even a game that you designed to help people learn some of the core skills of sales and entrepreneurship. And so when I think about being an entrepreneur, um, you're one of the people, for me at least, that, that embodies what it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur, a business owner, or someone who just wants to really make an impact or a difference in the world, there's some principles that drive that. So I'm going to say that as by way of introducing you. And then I would love to just have you take a moment, if you would, to tell us why you're so nuts. Why, (laughs) Why are you crazy enough to jump into the world of entrepreneurship? What is it that draws you to it? And then let's go from there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm I'm indeed a passionate entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, you, you know, I, I started out doing what everybody is supposed to do, right? I went to, uh, I, well, actually, no, I, I, I didn't. I, <laughs> <laughs> Are you revising I, your story I, as you I go? started, yeah, because I, I went back and I was like, wait a minute, that's not exactly true. I got there a roundabout way, but uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I think it, it, st- it started out with, uh, uh, at one point I walked out of high school because my GPA was so low that it wasn't worth staying there anymore. And I, I walked out and went for went to work for a big giant cattle ranch in Montana. 
And uh, and then it didn't take me long. I remember I was riding along, and this has to do with the mindset of an entrepreneur. But I was mm-hmm. riding my horse along, and I looked to my right, and we were on this big, giant, open range ground, you know, big grasslands, you know, miles and miles of mountains and trees and and cows. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, and, I, this is a, and this is a very big ranch, like 300 square miles. Uh, mm. this ranch. And and so I was horseback living on camps, all kinds of things. But one day I was horseback and I looked to my right and I saw a gentleman that was in his 60s on horseback. You know, I, and, and I knew these guys, you know, they were all part of the crew. But I looked and I, yeah. it, it hit me. Oh, there's there's a person in their 60s riding horses, doing what I'm doing. And I looked to my left and there was another guy in his 60s riding his horse, doing what I'm doing. And I knew that their payroll basically was really similar to mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I I all of a sudden it hit me hard that uh um I I saw my future if I were as to continue doing what I was doing. You're gonna and be I, them. And I was gonna be them and I and that's not what I wanted. Uh and it, it was kind of a it was like a revelatory moment. Uh I ended up going back to high school. I completed my uh diploma and then I uh decided I wasn't going to go to college and I went to work for another ranch mm. <laughs> and the same uh I uh, in the same thing uh the same type of thing happened I ended up on a feedlot uh and there was a gentleman there that was close to his 60s and I knew that he wasn't making much more than I was uh mm. and, I, and I and again I saw my future again and fortunately in that event my horse slipped in the mud and it strained my back really badly uh, and I, uh, so I, I, uh, I decided, or I had an impression immediately that I, it was time to go to school. Uh, and I, I ended up, uh, going to college majoring in, in, I was going to major in art. Uh, and then I got there and my better senses got a hold of me. And I ended up in animal science because that came before art and the list. And I had been in agriculture for a long time. And right. I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought. Well, artists don't really make money, so I bought into the propaganda, right? Right. And uh, and I ended up in agriculture, uh, get, becoming a professional cowboy. <laughs> mm-hmm. An edumacated cowboy. Right, an edumacated cowboy. And then I decided, you know, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't really want to do that as uh, working for a ranch. I didn't really want to do that. Uh, and so I ended up completing that degree, and then I went and got another degree in mm-hmm. marketing, public relations, and advertising. And then that took me into the corporate world. And mm-hmm. uh, and then I I got into the corporate world and I uh, became a director of communications for the March of Dimes. And then, um, uh, and, and I had some great success, but I wasn't making enough to support my family. And, and so then I changed jobs and I became a national marketing manager for an equipment manufacturer. And in, uh, I, I, I felt like I created some real positive impact. I took that company's revenue from five million to twelve million in basically nine months. Uh, wow! But I, there was something I realized: the corporate world was working against me. And uh, in in other words, I was I, I I was probably a threat to people around me, my my mm. progress and and stuff like that. And so, in one of my uh, business, uh, in one of my employment reviews, uh, my manager asked me. He goes, do you ever think of doing your own thing? And I jumped in my seat and I mm. said, yes, all of the time. And he jumped <laughs> in his seat. 
And so right after that, I took an entrepreneurship uh, and I went to work as a vice president of marketing for a startup company. And I helped them raise capital and things like that. Um, and But I was still an employee, but now I had ownership. Mm. Uh, and as we were going through that, I was like, I can do this. And and so then uh, then I uh, in a very short time frame I actually got with one uh, with a new business partner and we founded a dot com and I became an entrepreneur uh, full time mm. and I don't uh, I think other than one time I haven't really received a W two since mm-hmm. and so that that's kind of the kind of the story of the shift. <laughs> it was something I dreamed of, something I wanted, something I knew I was destined for. Uh, and then uh, the circumstances of life kind of pushed me into it. You know, I hear that from so many people that I've interviewed who mm-hmm. are entrepreneurs. And we start out wherever it is. I mean, I I don't know if I've shared with you, Rod, that my first major in college was chemical engineering. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a positivity psychologist. What the heck is chemical engineering? But I was really good at all the science and math. I was a good student. Uh-huh. And and I had grades that kept me in high school because, well, you know, I was right. just that student. And, and what do you do? Well, you go to college, right? And you get a job out there in the corporate world that has benefits and insurance and you work toward retirement. And then what? Right, right. And for me, it was a kind of a similar journey, very different in terms of the details, but there's this calling, mm-hmm. right? There's this, yep. there's something that calls to you that says there's there's a role or a purpose that doesn't fit neatly into any of the little job packages that are out there. And I'm hearing a similar thing for you. I think this is part of that entrepreneurial mindset, that -hmm. there's an attachment to a purpose that's greater than whatever it is that you've already experienced. Right, right. And that in a disdain for other people telling me what to do. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's that too. (laughs) But but also, I think a big part of it is I didn't want, uh, I didn't want a program uh, limiting what I could create. Uh, in other words, yes. or maybe maybe a better word is a role. I didn't want I didn't want a role that was uh, that was structured in a way that was dictating. Now most people sell out to that because they perceive that as security. But the reality is, unless you learn how to control your own income, which is the only way to become limitless mm. in your growth then you're always at risk of what others what others um you, you know intentions purpose drive vision is and uh you could you know you could work i I've, I've seen people work for places their whole life and in the final hours before qualifications be laid off and i right. I, I thought wow you know at least as That's an or i control the outcome and you assume all of the risk. Right, right, right. Which is what scares some people away from it. They want the security. Now, I'm putting that in air quotes. You can't hear that on uh, the air quotes on an audio <laughs> podcast. But security, see, there's this illusion. Right. Of, uh, I want security. I hear this from people all the time. 
But think about it, Rod, where would you be if you were to achieve maximum security? In prison. In prison. (laughs) Security is not freedom. Right, right. But freedom is not free. Right. So these are the things that I think an entrepreneur really needs to latch their their brain to if they're going to to be successful you know you were saying some things about limits mm-hmm. and and you were also kind of tongue-in-cheek talking about i don't want people telling me what to do well <laughs> why would anybody ever tell you what to do because they have figured out how to create value in the world and they need you to help them with their mission right right that's that's what a job is right an entrepreneur has to figure out how to create value in the world. Right. Right. And and then they go recruit other people to help them. You've got an, an enormous team right now that's helping you to create value in the world. Right. Yeah, exactly. The I you know here's here's another word, you know, that people use that's the opposite of security and that is risk. Uh so mm. people people tend to avoid entrepreneurship because they perceive it as risk. And right. and so risk Risk is essentially um, uh, the when the loss of control, and so actually, um, knowledge—the lack of knowledge—equals risk. And and so if mm. you uh, so if you if you turn that around, for me, entrepreneurship is not risky. Um, now I ha- I may have a business concept that might fail, but it doesn't mean my failure. Right. And, and the reason why is because now I have enough entrepreneurial knowledge that oftentimes I'm one, I select markets more carefully and right. I have a better understanding of products. But the more na- the more knowledge I gain, the less risk it actually is. So I'm in a business startup now. And but it's relatively low risk because we just have a checklist we're going through. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're putting together the equipment. We've just started hiring. We've, uh, you know, we're we're organizing the building. Everybody kind of has an idea of, of what to do, but I have the bigger picture of it and I understand what the revenue aspect is. And so really it's just a cost before revenue uh, is, mm-hmm. is, is the point. But if people have ext- extreme lack of knowledge on what they're walking into, for example, then it's high risk because you don't know how much it's going to cost. See, I already know that I'm a hundred grand to revenue. Mm-hmm. It, it is. So I pull in partners, we mitigate the risk. You know, right. it, it uh, and, you know, and the, the only reason we would go down is if the market didn't actually receive our project or our product. Uh, and mm-hmm. if that was the case, then we would alter it, you know, and minimize, you know, minimize the loss. Right. And and so so now and, and then we would just shift. You know, this last year I did I went through uh, th- uh, three startup scenarios and all three failed, but it it didn't bankrupt us. Um, it, you know, we had safeguards built along the way because we had the knowledge. Uh, and so right. when we saw failure points, we just reallocated things that were spent uh, into new categories and we recreated new things. So, like uh, on the one particular one, I bought a truck. Uh, I had two trucks on order uh, for to do the fulfillment of this particular business venture. Um, mm-hmm. But as it got closer, some of the partners that were critical to that component left. So we couldn't get to that point. And so then we reallocated one. We didn't have to accept one of the trucks. 
Uh, so it got sold on the market. And the other one I reallocated to my farming operation. And mm-hmm. it needed it for it, it needed a truck anyway. So I I I we mitigated all of the expenses off so they never happened really. Um and uh again, there we went. The idea wasn't uh wasn't you know, the timing wasn't right. The people, the right people weren't in place. And we saw that as experienced entrepreneurs. And so we just gracefully glided past it. Uh, and we kept the partners in place and we moved that to a new concept and then a new concept. And there's another concept sitting in the background that's just waiting for the right partners to commit to it. Uh, right. And so it, but, but the failure of success, once you have knowledge is not really a, a risk of, of loss or catastrophic failure or anything like that. It's just a it's just a dance of working and and learning to see what where you have movement and where you don't, and understanding when you're seeing movement or not seeing movement. So the true risk is ignorance, correct, or stupidity. <laughs> right, most, right, right, right. Most people are plagued more with ignorance than they are stupidity. I mean, most people are reasonably intelligent. Right. Right. But they're lacking knowledge of whatever the principles are that drive it. As I'm listening to you, Rod, I'm I'm going back to something that I've believed for years, and that is that it's not magic. It's mm-hmm. not luck. There are principles that drive all of life's outcomes. Right. And I'm, I'm interested also in that word that you used uh, when you described these three startup ventures and and that they failed. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Entrepreneurs think of that word differently. Failed, right? Right. It, it it's kind of like an acceptable outcome for trying something. Right, right. And you want to know if it's going to work or not, and you won't unless you jump right. in, but you always learn something in the process. Right. It's just like riding a bike. Uh basically right. You've got to, you, you, I can actually teach a child to ride a bike in five minutes flat. And I've tested my theory over and over and over again because I've figured out the dynamics of a bicycle and how to transfer that information to a child. And, and, and so my, my method takes minutes and it's fail safe. It works all of the time. And I, I thought, do you, do you want me to describe it? Well, you've piqued my curiosity. Yes. Isn't that like super curious? Well, here's here's what I figured out, right? There's a sequence to the way people gain knowledge and mm-hmm. understanding. And I can speed that process up. And, Love and, so, it. and so with a, with a child, you know, normally what do you do? You know, you 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 know, you throw a bike at them, you put training wheels on it, they, you know, they 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 ride, they fall, right? They they do whatever, maybe maybe they get hurt or whatever. And yeah. uh, and usually you as a parent, maybe you're standing behind the bike, right? Trying to make sure they don't fall over. Okay. Well, then I realized, okay, you got to do this differently. And so when I start a child on a bike, I hold the front handlebars of the bike and I put them on the bike and I'm I'm facing them. You're in front of them. I'm in front of them holding. The, so there's no possible way for the bike to fall over. And then I move with to the side and I grab the back of the seat with my right hand and I take the, the handlebars with my left hand. And then what I do is I, I walk with the child and I move the steering, uh, the, the handlebars to the left and to the right and I lean the bike 
and I create the motion so the child can feel the handlebars. And as soon as I can feel that they're moving with the rhythm, I let go of the handlebars and just hold the seat. And now they're controlling, right? And then, uh, and then, as when I can feel from the back of the seat that they're actually making the motion of the bike, I let go, and they're riding. <laughs> and and it's uh, it's super super fast. But I but I've thought about that often because uh, you, you know there's uh, there's ways to transfer knowledge, and we shouldn't be afraid of gaining knowledge. But if we can, uh, if we can. Uh, if we can uh, become expert at something, there becomes very little risk. So uh, I'll give you an example. If I were to come to you with a podcasting idea, what do you think the chances of us succeeding would be? 100%. Right. There's almost no risk. Dude, you you introduced this episode as 550 episodes and our interview a decade ago. There's probably no one more masterful at podcasting than you. Oh my gosh. When I started, it wasn't even a thing. Right, right. Yeah. You were podcasting before podcasting was cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But your, your knowledge and expertise is there. And, And so if I were to push you, for example, on podcasting into, um, you know, if, if, if we were to say, you know, it's a six figure cash flow, and then I were to take your mindset and say, okay, Dr. Paul, let's make a seven-figure podcast. All right. So now we're we're talking about making it a million-dollar podcast. Now, mm-hmm. you probably have enough knowledge that the technical aspect of that would come together, but we would have to push our mindset to move it into the seven figures. Yeah. And I call that I, the decimal factor. Right, right. And then if uh, then if I challenged you again and I said, no, we're going to make a hundred million dollar podcast. Now, now your mind is probably going to work with all the knowledge base that you've you've put together. But now you're starting to say to yourself, okay, what would that really take? You know, we're you know right. we're pushing it into a uh, to a you know what's that a, a nine figure? And then what if I said no? You know, come to think of it, that's too small. We're going to create a billion dollar podcast. What would that look like? You know, and we start we start having to imagine what are all the metrics look like for a billion dollar podcast? What would we have to build? But you actually have all that knowledge. But somewhere along the line, um, you haven't had, you know, the the mental push to push it into the billion dollar thought pattern. Mm-hmm. So what would that take? Well, you know, just like riding a bike, we don't know what we don't know, but we have it in us. It's there. Right. The knowledge is there, but our mind hasn't been pushed to the possibility because we function in a in a static reality. In other words, we believe that it is the way that it is because we know what we know. Right. But if I can crack that and shatter it and expand it, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, what would that look like? I mean, if I, I just took something uh, simple, uh, most 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 people listening, maybe we can stretch our mind to a $10,000 a month income. You know, mm-hmm. mo- most people on the call probably could. Maybe they could. Do, but what if I said, no, you know, um, 
you're going to be taken and put in in prison for life if you can't figure out how to create $20,000 a month in income. What just happened to our mindset? Well, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all our knowledge and everything and creativity is expanding into the possibilities of what would that look like? What would that channel look like? Uh, and if I if I took it to fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars a month or a million dollars a month, and now what is our mind doing to connect and take our current situations and the current things that we're our current uh, package of knowledge and how do we take that? Uh, I mean, I know people that get up every morning and make a cup of coffee, and mm-hmm. they spend money to make that cup of coffee. But I know another individual that's the president of. Black Rifle Coffee that stepped in and earns over a billion dollars for making coffee. Right. And what's the difference between it's all coffee, but why is one person a consumer and that's all they can see? And why did another person create a billion dollars in revenue in a heavily saturated market that no one could crack into? I love what you're sharing here, Rod. And it gets back to the mindset, right? It all starts with the mindset, the the thought patterns that are going on in our mind. And you you come by it so naturally. Well, I say naturally. You've developed this skill set. You know, you talked about my history as a podcaster. It it comes easily to me because I've practiced it so darn much. And mm-hmm. and in a similar way, you kept saying, what would that look like? That is an entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Because the brain, until you train it to ride the bicycle of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. your, your brain is going to give you 10 reasons why you can't do this. Right. And they will be compelling. Right. Right. right, right. You will believe them thoroughly and it will be oh, yeah. truth <laughs> and not true at all. And then we look <laughs> around at the people who have the, the whatever it is that we say we want. We look at them and we think, oh, lucky. Or, right. you know, there's something special about them. When uh-huh. really it's uh-huh. the application of principle, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You could be you could be out there that 60-year-old man on the horse on the ranch. I know you still ride a horse and you have a ranch, but <laughs> but you're not on that yep. rancher's payroll. No, my dream was I I ever thought, you know, I love agriculture. It's like a it's like a heart space for me. And mm-hmm. and the irony is, is now. You know, I back then I always thought, you know, if I ever revisit ranching, it, it's I've got to be a rich man ranching. It's mm. not a cowboy cowboy. <laughs> and so, right. you know, uh, here three years ago, my wife and I just bought the family farm. So we just uh, and over this past year, we're uh, re, uh, uh, we're establishing a brand name for premium beef products. Mm. And uh and so, so we've been building this step by step by step, but now I have the foundation of property and then I've been putting in place uh, the haying operation so I can feed the cattle. And then the next phase will go into containment and shelter, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so I'll have, I'll have feed containment and then I'll introduce the genetics uh, and then I'll bring in the cow herds and then I'll introduce marketing uh, mm-hmm. and then, and then the brand and the product will emerge. 
Well, I have mm-hmm. I have massive background in agriculture, so there isn't any part of ranching that's really a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. And I have extensive marketing background as well. So there, so the idea or the concept or the possibility, for example, of what could be achieved is not a mystery to me either. Right. And, uh, so for me, it's just timing, uh, capital. You know, putting together capital along the route. Uh, I have business partners that are already for the. Uh, for the, you know, for the nine figure phase <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and people, people that are lining up, you know, uh, and I have, uh, you know, people that are inside VC funds and stuff like that for the larger concept where I could actually produce that to the bill- the billions of dollars. And, uh, and so I yeah. have, I have had the brands aligned, but it takes, a, it takes time too, um, you know, to put together an enterprise of that stature and and in that category specifically because agriculture is intense capital intensive uh, right very low margins uh and so i i think i've figured out ways to create high margins uh in a heavily saturated uh commodity market by Mm -hmm. creating a branded premium product and yes so so that's that's awesome that's awesome it's not magic it's not luck. No, no, no. It's process. It's process. And the, your story is also compelling, Rod, because you look at the the different components. You know, going mm-hmm. back to walking out of high school, getting on a horse, and everything that you learned as you did that has become part of the arsenal of knowledge and experience that you bring to the table now to create brand new possibilities that didn't exist before. Right. And and you know what? I believe, Rod, that there's a moral component to this, too. Uh-huh. Because who is it that's going to go out there and become the producers of the world? Right. Everybody's a consumer. We have to be because of our mortal existence. Right, right, right. Everybody's a consumer. But without the producers... We don't have that cup of coffee. We don't have that cut of beef. We have to have producers in this world. And and for me, the producers are the entrepreneurs who ask the question, how can I go out there and create value in this world? And and what would it look like? How is it done? Instead of, oh, here's all the reasons why that would be hard. (laughs) Right. Well, in in my own opinion, entrepreneurship is a uh is is a highly spiritual calling yes and I, I i believe that uh I, I went to an entrepreneur conference one time uh and a group of entrepreneurs walked out of the door and i remember being overwhelmed inside with emotion because when i looked at those people i realized that these are the people that are solving the problems yes. these are the people that are inventing things solutions making life easier um making life more enjoyable making life better healing people raising nice. people up uh and i looked at it and i thought wow to be an entrepreneur is the most noble space but it also operates on an economy that's all its own uh it's very difficult uh coming from a status quo state mm-hmm. and and being able to comprehend the entrepreneurial economy 
And, and so, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times in media, uh, entrepreneurship is painted as an evil, as a taker, mm. uh, a taker of labor, as a, uh, as a robber of the economy and mm. like that. And I, and I, uh, or an abuser of resources. And I, and I'm like, wow, what an incredible misunderstanding. But it's mainly because, uh, the status quo mindset, uh, coming out of typical education and schooling is taught that and right. uh and and is uh and and so when you when you look at that you're like wow if you were to take the entrepreneurs out of the world what would you have right you you'd basically there would be well one there wouldn't be jobs <laughs> who's making the jobs <laughs> right 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 i was telling right. a group of people this past weekend about and we were talking about mindset uh and i go i'm, I'm going to rattle your cage a little bit you know mm-hmm. uh, and and uh and so i was i was talking about taxation and that's because in the tax realm you know, there's uh, there's propaganda that's put out that the wealthy don't pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. And I and I said, no, I said, that's really not true. Actually, the wealthy pay all of the taxes, you know, and talk, talk about shaping, shaking up a room. Uh, but then I, you know, I took the example and I said, do you really think Amazon doesn't pay taxes? Mm. And, you know, the room was kind of looking at me because I go, I, I went on social media and I saw a meme that said, Amazon paid zero in federal taxes or whatever. And I and I go, I, I just told the group, I go, do you really think that's true? I mean, do you really think that's true? And uh and 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 of course people believe that. Uh and mm-hmm. I said, no, let me break that down for you. I go, one, every product that's sold through Amazon is probably assessed between a six and ten percent tax mm-hmm. that's allocated to local communities. And Amazon carries the majority of product um, supply, mm-hmm. and uh, probably to a huge percentile. So that would mean that say say they uh, say they run about seventy percent of the supply chain to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Well, that means that seventy percent of the local tax base is coming from Amazon sales. Well, if you right. comprehend that, that's billions and billions of dollars right and not only that but here's the part that really shook them up and i said you have to understand the business owners pay your taxes we're like no no we pay our fair share the business does not pay their fair share no the yeah the with what money all of the shares right all of the shares uh when you come to work for me i pay you and your taxes <laughs> and but anyway i i, I kind of went i and my purpose there wasn't uh, my purpose there wasn't to uh it wasn't all i was trying to do is create disruption in their thinking process uh yes. so it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a political debate it was about it was about taking people in their status quo thinking and just kind of shaking that around a little bit and helping them see past the uh, the solidified belief pillars that are blocking their vision. Right. And if I can shake you hard enough, maybe you can see around it and you go, oh, it's not what I thought. Wait, there's something on the other side of that pillar. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and I think developing an entrepreneurial mindset is is basically that. It's shaking up what you believe is solid 
foundational truth and helping you see by that from a different perspective right? to see if your reality can change. Because the entrepreneurial economy is different. It is not the standard thing. When you said that earlier, Rod, I was thinking about the, the stark difference between a time and effort economy, which is what most employees experience. I put in my time, I put in my effort, I get paid for that. It's a Mm -hmm. time and an effort economy. In an entrepreneurial world, it's a results economy. Mm -hmm. Because you only get paid if you actually create value in the world. Right, right. And set up an exchange for that. So it's a very different way of thinking. And Dan Sullivan really... um, does a lot of good work around this this area. And that's where I learned about these two different economies, the time and effort economy versus the results economy. And inviting our brain to ride a different kind of a bicycle, mm-hmm. right? It's and and that mindset then drives what you referred to as as this spiritual, almost sacred space. Right. Where where the problems are solved and the needs of the world are met because people are courageous enough to take that on. Right. And right. I, I think you've done a nice job with that. Rod, your your book, Anchor Wisdoms for Entrepreneurs, it'll fit in your pocket, people, which is really <laughs> cool. It's just like portable positivity. It's about the same size, actually. And, oh, look at that. Look at that. You, <laughs> isn't that awesome? We've we've both got a mini book. Right, Rod. right, right. And yours has um, it's, some of these wisdoms just kind of condensed down to little nuggets. Each page is a new nugget of wisdom for entrepreneurs. It's all about getting that mindset in place. Rod, where can people connect to you? Uh, get a copy of the book or or follow what it is that you're doing. Share that with us if you would. Okay, you bet. I think uh, it, it be anchorwisdoms.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's with an S, that's plural. Anchorwisdoms.com. And that's where uh, I think you've got a private Facebook group around that. There's right, there's right. That's going to drop you on the Facebook yeah. group because if uh, I actually took the sales page down for that book, uh, so mm-hmm. they they would have to message me directly if they want a copy. Okay, but you can set them up if they want. Right, I have I have copies behind me, but uh... <laughs> well, go connect. And I know you're on LinkedIn, Rod Allen Richardson on LinkedIn. Um, anchor wisdoms with an s.com. Right. And that'll drop Those you on some the Facebook of... group um, where you can participate in conversations about this. Uh, but... Well, and there's, there's going to be more to come. I think I love what you're doing, Rod, and uh, the energy with which you approach this. I think the, the moral drivers behind it uh, really light me up and you've done a lot to inspire me. Uh, to enter that that mindset. And so I'm just thrilled to be able to, to share you with our listeners again. Thank you so much for joining me today at Live On Purpose Radio. You bet. You bet. We didn't even get to the big stuff. <laughs> what? There's more? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just scratched the itch. <laughs> there is always more. And you guys, you, you know where you have the resources. We've shared that with you here today. You've heard it. It's time to live it. Let's all go live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? 
Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it and leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose. <laughs>